0: What is up, everyone? It is 2021. It is a new and bright year for us all in the game of golf. And today we are going to have Gavin Grinvillewood back on the podcast and we're going to talk about failure is a
1: feature. Preparing children and parents for the learning pit <laughs> and having the parents understand that this element of failure is a natural part of the process of picking up and acquiring a new skill. Without it, they're not going to learn anything. If you keep lining up your children's putts, if you keep trying to point them in the right direction, if you keep telling them what shot to play, they're never going to experience failure, and it is a downward spiral from which they will never recover or reach the heights that their talent might suggest they could reach.
0: Failure really can be an asset if what you're trying to do is improve, learn, or do something new. Problems should become opportunities, and the Game of Golf tests our will on how we take failure shot by shot, round by round, and season by season. As a golfer, you're going to come across failure time and time again, but how you react to it will determine your success. This is going to be an awesome discussion with Gavin, and I really look forward to this episode and hope there's a lot that you can take away. So Gavin, I am so happy to have you back for another episode on the Raising Golfers podcast. This is going to be fun because today's discussion is going to be failure is a feature.
1: Yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting topic. So um, thanks for having me back. Um, Yeah, looking forward to diving into this one.
0: Yeah, I I am too because, you know... Uh, Well, I'll give my take on failure in a minute, but certainly my perception and idea of what failure was in the past versus what it is now is completely different. But I want to hear what's your take and your perception of failure, maybe what it was before and what it is now, or even if it's changed.
1: (laughs) Um, We were measured as kids, kind of quite strictly. I mean, you either succeeded at a task or you failed. And there was no real comeback on the failure. You know, there was no kind of conversation about what you did wrong. It was much more about the fact that you did it wrong. And quite often, you're an idiot. Go and and study harder or something like that, you know? Right, right. Um, So it was definitely harsher. And and obviously I feel like we all have moved on from that, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely understanding it now in, in terms of it being a a tool to take steps forward rather than to dwell on what you've done wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. So in the past, would you say you had more of a fear of failure or did you just kind of take it head on?
1: It depends on your age. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right you know we're fear- we're fearless up to about 30 i think right you know invincible right mm-hmm. um but beyond that you start to think about the consequences a little bit more which is why i think actually golfers aren't maturing or really hitting their peak until they get in their 30s mm, that's a
0: good point i never thought of that about that before that's very yeah. interesting
1: uh, and you know the freaks of nature that are out there winning on tour in their early 20s You know they're just going for everything. You know Mm. it's full beans, just straight down the line. Um, Right. And Bryson probably didn't have the right mindset for Augusta, and the 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 wily old fox that was um, Dustin Johnson, because he's an old guy now. um, (laughs) You know, just had more experience and was able to play the right shot in the right situation. And I just felt Bryson as much as he wasn't feeling well, would have been too one-dimensional. And you just can't Mm. play golf that way. You need a a vast array of tools in your golf bag and in your brain to uh, overcome the challenges of any golf course.
0: Right. No, I totally agree. So, you know, I I thought about this as far as my take and my experience on failure. And the first thing I'm going to say is, is quote something Rory said. So when Rory was a kid, his dad would make like the par fours and the par sevens or eights or whatever. And so he basically always went low and he said he never had a fear to go low. And the first time I heard that, I was like, what's he talking about? And then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I've had a fear to go low for so long, like in my prime. And if I had a good round, let's just say I was one or two under, I would all of a sudden try to protect that. And guess what would happen? The back nine, you know, could be a back nine blow up or, you know, Couple over par or whatever. And next thing you know, you have what looks like a fantastic round turn into an average or uh, below average round, right? And I had that. And I think I was so afraid to go low. And I was always trying to protect a decent score. And I had a fear of shooting a high score. And I look back on that now and I'm just, I, I didn't realize it then, but I actually did have it. And I would guess that there's a lot of people out there that are like that. And I'm sure that's why Rory even brought that up. And it definitely resonated with me. You know, I mean, for me, lag putts, I was like, okay, get it to the hole. Two putts is fine. No three putts. But I actually wasn't focused on trying to make a one putt. Or par fives is like, give myself a birdie chance, but don't make bogey. But it was never like, hey, let's go in two and try to give myself a chance for eagle. Like it was just never, that's not what my thinking was. And I look back and I just think, Gosh, if I had just not had so much fear to fail at a young age, you know, competing, who knows, you know, where my game might have taken me. I don't know. What do you, What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, Todd. I mean, um, one of the the highlights of my golfing life is I made seven birdies in a row once.
0: That is amazing.
1: Which was pretty cool, and and I, and I don't really know how it happened, but I know how it finished. And I'm stood on the eighth hole because it was the first seven holes of the golf course, and Con- just telling myself I can't possibly make eight. I'm not gonna. I can't do eight. It's ridiculous. You can't do that, and you just get yourself into this negative mindset. Mm-hmm. And that was quite early on in my life, uh, got my golfing life. And actually, a few years later, it was quite weird. Like I, I got um, I got to seven under through five holes of a round of golf once. Wow! And then I walked in. <laughs> what? Why? because it's like I'm not going to get any better this doesn't get any better than this I'm only going to you know mess it up from here and um I'm going to to leave whilst I'm feeling pretty high and right. um that was it it was and that's the thing you talk yourself out of it whereas obviously the approach would be right you know just be a bit more of a of a one shot at a time you know golfer just play one shot that's in front of you, focus on that, mm. stop thinking about the uh, the round of golf. And it takes tremendous uh, presence of mind to push out the score that you're on and to focus on just hitting a golf ball from point A to point B um, without any influence from emotion.
0: Oh, I totally agree. So maybe as an adult now, and it can even be beyond just like playing the game of golf or coaching the game of golf, what's your take on failure now?
1: Now uh, it is it is integral to the development of the student. Um, failure is only failure if you don't take steps to learn from it. Mm. Um, so this is why I'll always say to people, you know, I appreciate that you might be, you know, twenty-two over par through thirteen holes. And you you want to break every single club in your bag and and toss the whole thing into a lake, but you've got some amazing things that could be about to happen to you, some amazing mm. opportunities, and invariably you find that there are some wonderful moments that happen once you've made the decision not to quit. Mm. You know you've given yourself the opportunity to learn from what you did wrong, and I've been there. You know much much throughout this year um, getting back into playing. I've played a lot of golf. I've had lots of instruction. I've been very hard on myself but absolutely now so happy that midway through the summer I didn't quit because I felt like it. I was in tears, you know, just very emotional because it's a sport that I've had a love affair with all my life. But um, it's very difficult if you're not performing to a level that you think you're capable of. And so, you, your emotions take over and, and it's very difficult to 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 extract yourself from that so again you know if you're if you're going through dark moments you have to have preempted the fact that as you're learning you're going to experience that you need to prepare yourself for it I had some great discussions with a guy called James Nottingham I, I love James he's amazing what a great brain but he's responsible for Setting up a company called Challenging Learning, ChallengingLearning.com, and kind of within all of that, and maybe underpinned by one concept, which is called the learning pit. Okay. And the learning pit is um, is a description really of how people, maybe children, actually learn, and the bravado with which you initially approach trying to complete a task, and then. The emotional stress that you go through when you realize it isn't as easy as you first thought and you go into this pit um and you just keep digging a, a deeper hole until you get to a point where you're actually you know if you're a student maybe you're ready to listen i often call that the sweet spot of learning where you're so frustrated angry emotional etc etc that you feel like you've got no choice but to actually listen. Mm. And then you're like, oh, I wish have I listened in the first place. But irrelevant because you have to get into that little sweet spot in order for your brain to be receptive to that situation or that, that, the real bare bones of that particular task that you're trying to achieve or accomplish. And then you get these little glimmers of hope as you start to extract yourself from this learning pit and then you start to get a little bit of confidence. You know, if you're going through a swing change, you might have two or three amazing shots per round, but you still shot 88. Uh, but it's these little nuggets that you can really grasp onto and start to claw yourself out of the um, out of the pit. I often call it the pit of doom because I know what I'm going to get when I go and learn something. But um, what we haven't done a very good job of over the years and still today is preparing and this is the nugget i guess preparing children and parents for the learning pit and having the parents understand that this element of failure is a natural part of the process of picking up and acquiring a new skill Mm. without it they're not going to learn anything if you keep lining up your children's putts if you keep trying to point them in the right direction if you keep telling them what shot to play they're never going to experience failure and it is a downward spiral from which they will never recover or reach the heights that their talent might suggest they could reach or their natural talent
0: yeah i would say that was like a nugget and a half really because i I couldn't agree more and like I, you know, I know you're referring to, we uh, on the Facebook, one of the Facebook groups that we're part of, right? There was somebody that brought that up and asked about line up the putts, right? And it was just like, you wanted to get that emoji, right? You just do the, fa- the you know, the, what's the, the, the palm
1: face or whatever you call it, right? And- I was angry, so I apologize for putting that emoji <laughs> on there, but it's another one of those posts. I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to bother commenting. I'm just going to give it a slap on the face.
0: <laughs> but it's so true. But, you know, I think as a coach... First of all, early on in my coaching career, I was making those mistakes, you know, I was helping them line up. It's like, you know, you said left edge is not on left edge, you know, and then I would make them, you know, readjust it. And guess what? They missed the putt, you know, and they probably didn't learn anything either. Right. And, you know, now it's just like, if you think of failure in a completely different way, or if you think of what everything the kid's doing to learn in a different way, you'll actually see how many more positives there are to it that they missed that putt, that they lined it up wrong, right? And it's hard, I think, as parents especially, and even coaches who are you know really determined to try to get the kid to, let's just say, score better. That's just one part of coaching. I can understand it's hard in the moment, but I think – we as adults have to kind of reflect and like actually look at the bigger picture of what is going on and the learning environment that the kid's in and what they'll get the lessons they'll learn out of those mistakes. Because I think we just don't reflect enough on those things and think about that we're too much in the moment and trying to push the kid forward to either win or succeed or whatever. And I agree. I don't think it's the best solution for the kid's development long term at all.
1: No. and, And the other thing, Travis, is that the, the, You don't know when that lesson is going to materialise. You don't. Or when the learning outcome will materialise. Dave Allred, Francesco Molinari's coach, migrated into golf from rugby. And I guess his real claim to fame was coaching Johnny Wilkinson from the England rugby team and Johnny Wilkinson in the last minute of the 2003 World Cup, kicking a drop goal to win it in the final but his main mantra was basically is still basically process versus outcome mm. and if if we adapt a a way of approaching a golf shot to clearly understanding what it is we're going through as the player at any moment then we're able to compartmentalize where the mistake was i know there are different theories out there you know, I think uh, Dave Stockton's um, putting theory. You know, where there's really not much technique in there at all. It's unconscious putting. That's what he talks about. But with with Dave, I, I like it because invariably you can putt unconsciously and you can still miss, and, and there's no feedback necessarily. But with with um, with Dave's kind of approach to process versus outcome, there are different stages of that you go through in order to execute the shot, right? And and you should be able to identify where it is you made a mistake from the different stages that you go through from, you know, the gathering of the information to the decision-making to, you know, visualizing and going through your setup routine, uh, getting set up over the ball and then actually executing the, the, the shot. You know, you've got those different areas that you can pinpoint maybe if something wasn't quite right. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it is interesting, but it all reverts back to allowing kids, in this case, to, to do it. Just let them do it and, and review, by all means. But they've got to be allowed to do it themselves. They, You know, one of the things that um, I'm really passionate about for our Lead Better Kids program, right, it's that we teach 5 to 12-year-olds one of the main traits that I want to establish for that age group is responsibility. So that when they turn 13, they become teenagers, their golfing journey uh, evolves. The reasons why they play changes, the enjoyment, the the ways that they get to enjoy the game changes, but they've got to be responsible and um, be in charge of their own destiny to a certain extent. Um, And if they don't display that trait at that age, they're never going to get it. They will always be looking over their shoulder, blaming somebody else when something goes wrong. And that, unfortunately, I think this goes quite deep. Sorry, Travis, but I think this is a reflection on society as a whole now. You know, society is not responsible for themselves. You know, whether we're talking about climate change or or rioting or whatever it is, you know, whatever politics uh, or political situation that we're in right it, it just stinks of us not being responsible as human beings and um, I sadly think that that obviously reverts back to how the kids or how they, these people were brought up and mm-hmm. things like this particular trait not being instilled sufficiently for that to develop as uh, as they go through their teenage years.
0: Right. No, I I totally agree. And, you know, it makes me think, and my opinion is not one way or the other, but it does make me think I've heard so many more success stories about when a parent steps off the bag for a kid caddying than when the parent steps on the bag for caddying. And like I said, I'm not going to say I think you shouldn't caddy or I think you should caddy. But what I will say is that I think allowing the kid to make those decisions and being responsible, like you said, for the decisions goes in line with that process, which you talked about, right? Just like, okay, I just pulled a seven iron and I just airmailed the green. I chose seven iron. I airmailed the green from, let's just say a hundred yards, right? Well, they're going to learn the next time they, let's just say they airmailed again. Well, they're going to make some adjustment. They're not going to pull the seven iron again, right? They might pull an eight or a nine or whatever. Whereas if I give my son seven iron at a hundred yards and he airmails the green, what's the kid going to think? He's going to think, dad, you gave me the wrong club.
1: Yes, you 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 start going off on a different dialogue that is never healthy, right? And and you you can't perfect golf either. No, you know a lot of parents who don't really have that experience of playing golf at any level, and they, they just don't understand you can't perfect it. So mm-hmm. you know if you if you airmail the green, or if you hit it to the left or to the right, the theory being that you pick up your clubs and walk to where you hit your ball and play your next shot that's that's mm. the, that's the game it is funny isn't it if, if we if we superimposed a lot of parents attitudes and approach to their kids playing golf to a game of monopoly okay right imagine that it, it, every time a kid made a move why did you why did you throw a seven in the dice you should have thrown an eight right like, seriously um or you know <laughs> why did you buy that property don't buy that you know don't put a hotel on there. It's, it's so stupid. Don't bother doing it. You know, we don't, we don't tell kids what to do in the same way when they're playing a board game as when they're playing golf. Mm. It doesn't happen. And it's, um. I think junior golf would be a lot healthier if we approached it like a board game. You know? It's.
0: I think it's, I, I think that's good advice. I've never thought of it that way. And, you know, again, going back to, you know, those thoughts like Me as a coach, because I'm a new parent, my oldest son's three years old, but me as a coach, I've made all those mistakes that we both just discussed, right? I mean, I've, I've made those mistakes and I know I'll make more and I'll have more failures, but guess what? Here I am today recording this podcast with you to talk that failure is a feature, not that failure is misery. And it's because I've made those failures in the past that now I start to see the light on the other side and I start to see what's important about failure and why I thought that failure is a feature and that's what we should record this podcast about because of those mistakes that I've made. So yeah, it's quite, it's, it's quite interesting. Right. So I I saw this where basically I had, I put this like, I had this chart. I saw this on Instagram. I think it was. And it was like, most people try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, quit Mm -hmm. where really they should kind of go along with what you kind of mentioned, which was like, try, fail, analyze, adjust, try again, and then continue. And it's like this continuous circle, right? And it just keeps going around and around and around. And like some of the things you said, like you got to think, what went wrong? What can be adjusted? How can I improve it? What's missing, right? And um, so the question, this might be a tough one, but the question is, is how do you as a player help yourself so that you can start to think this way and ask your question, those types of questions to yourself? And then the other one will be, how can parents help their kids ask their kid those types of questions or guide them to be able to ask themselves those types of questions
1: you've got to have the right mindset first right so the the best way to be able to deal with it is to have prepared for it in the first place be ready for battle you know Mm -hmm. roll your sleeves up and just know that you are going to hurt but again this is where Uh, I wish I could turn the clock back on so many situations as a parent and as a coach. Um, If I'd have known that failure played such an important part, then the dialogue would have been so different and my reactions would have been so different to when things didn't go particularly well. Mm -hmm. And um, now I'm so less emotional, far more pragmatic about, when things don't go right and literally just look at it have a quick conversation either to myself or to whoever i'm talking to and um have them understand what didn't go quite right and to try and put it right the next time but again understanding that you know you don't have a divine right to get it correct all the time Mm -hmm. you know it's just you can't expect it you had to work hard through that process.
0: What was the turning point for you?
1: It was, uh, it was that moment when I was coaching soccer and um, they played a video in front of the whole class. I was doing my UEFA coaching license. They played a video of me coaching in front of the whole class of adults, uh, of me doing my bit. And it was, it was an X rated movie. It was horrendous. I was, I was very lucky as well. I had the the right frame of mind to make immediate changes, immediate changes. So I would question the decisions that eight year olds were making. I mean, what, what are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Talk to myself, you know, in in hindsight, what what was was I thinking I was going to get out of criticizing an eight year old for doing something? It's absolutely ridiculous you know, I love Montessori schools for the fact that they just create an environment where kids are free to fail. They're free to experience, you know, it's, it's, it's an experiential learning environment. Uh, just try things, you know, go on, go, go jump over, jump over the, uh, the, the toys as an example, see what happens, uh, or, you know, use this, this colored green to, um, to paint a tree just try it it doesn't matter what it is and that's the thing mm. where in, in golf now um, we shouldn't be concerned about what the kids succeed at tomorrow but we should play much more of a long game whereby we're preparing them for a lifelong love affair with the sport which means mm. that it's going to be a roller coaster ride but you know the, the roller coaster is gradually going higher still peaks and troughs, but as their their experience and their ability improves, um, but they're still going to be up and down, right? So, you know, the saying goes that, um, you know, the tournament you play tomorrow isn't going to define you as a golfer at all. It's just an opportunity for you to take one baby step forward in the right direction as you continue your development.
0: I totally agree. Yeah, I, I read something the other day too. It said who you are now doesn't define who you are, and mm. that's pretty much exactly what you said with the yeah. tournament play, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we get so caught up in like in the moment, right, where it's just like, geez, like I suck at golf right now, or I'm not winning, or my my child's not winning at golf, they're not going to be a good golfer or whatever, right? And it 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 really goes back to what you said that process, and there's going to be those ups and downs, there's going to be troughs, but. Learning from failure is, it's definitely not something that's free, right? And it comes at a cost. And like you said, when you watch that video of yourself coaching, you know, I'm sure you didn't feel comfortable watching it. You probably felt a little bit down, but like you said, your mindset was right that, okay, I need to change something and this is what I'm going to do. And then now you've completely sprung forward and, you know, here you are today, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. I wasn't the crazy uh, soccer coach when I was coaching golf, by the way. But the principles were still the same. But then that, that began, this was back in 2006, that began uh, my evolution, effectively, that's still evolving, whereby we are creating an environment where kids are able to express themselves freely without fear mm-hmm. of repercussion. Um, mm-hmm. And the parents have to be and, and are encouraged to be a part of that. So it, it's, it's certainly exciting. There's still a long way to go. Did you see recently that video? In, uh, it's from Savannah, Georgia, of the American football pee wee team. And no. I think it might have been the national, the national finals or something. I mean, how you get no. national national finals for American football for eight-year-olds? <laughs> I don't understand. But, um, no, this coach literally just slapped this kid to the ground twice. And it was filmed, and he's since been. I mean, the police are involved and all that, all sorts. But you can uh, have a quick look on YouTube. It's it's fascinating to watch. Not not pretty to watch, but you know the anger from the coach towards that poor kid just didn't make any. It just doesn't make any sense. It's it's horrible to see, uh, and and that has no place in life, let alone coaching. Um, right. But you know, you you. When you're uneducated as a coach or a parent, your reaction is wanting to blame the child for doing something wrong. And I've yet to find in, in my 25 or so years of coaching uh, and being a parent, I'm yet to find a kid that um, that makes a mistake in the sporting arena on purpose. Never seen it. Never seen no, it.
0: I totally agree. So,
1: What are you shouting at the kids for? You know?
0: No, it's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. It's not just in golf, is it? But I guess it kind of comes down to like, what are your values for your player, whether you're a coach or if you're a parent of the player, like what are your values for that player? You know, is it that you want them to win now? Is it that you want them to succeed now? Is it that the kid wants to succeed already? And if they do, how was that, you know, how is that portrayed on them? Was it, was it imposed from other children or from the adults? I don't know. But I think if we reflect on those kinds of values, you start to kind of tear it back and actually just think, you know what, I just want my kid to have fun and enjoy this. I, will. I of course, if they can progress and they get better and they have some sense of autonomy and they feel like this is fun and with, you know, slight improvements here and there, they're continuing to enjoy it. Then you'll actually start to think about, okay, what it is I should do to help this golfer, whether I'm a coach or a parent, and what are the things I should sh- say, and what are the actions that I should take. And I think we would all adjust what we were doing previously after we reflect on what those values were. That's what I personally think.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the, the reflection is, is really powerful, isn't it? You know, just I often reflect on how I've interacted with situations and and think about um the subject you know the student or or one of my kids you know trying Mm. to trying to put myself in their shoes and and understand what it is they're feeling and that's that that's the powerful part of it because then you really start to uh you start to think along the right lines then um and that then means you're on the road to recovery
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, on that path to recovery success, like you're going to fail, you're going to fail time and time again. And success, I don't want to say is just a result. It could be anything and it's just going to happen. And one of my favorite quotes about failure, and I'm sure you've heard this and I'm sure listeners that are listening have heard this before, but it's from Michael Jordan. And he said, I missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I lost almost 300 games. 26 times I was trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's perfect, isn't it? And um, Richard Branson, who owns... Um, a lot Virgin, of things. A lot of things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he's he's come on, on record saying that uh, he's, he's learned from so many episodes of, of failure. And I think, uh, just to read a couple of them, you know, he dropped out of school at the age of 16. You know, there's one immediate, uh, thing that comes to mind. I mean, how would we react if our kids dropped out of school at 16? I think it's an element with all of these guys that they understand it's a journey. it's, it's, it's longevity. You know, you get knocked over. What are you going to do? Stay on the floor? No. Hmm. It, pick yourself up, dust yourself down and put one foot in front of the other. And I think that's, that's really healthy. And it's a great attitude to have in life actually, uh, because, sure. you know, we we all get hit, especially this year with, with so many elements of uncertainty, you know, we've, we've got to be resilient and, and failure is about a, a resilience, isn't it? You know, it's getting punched in the face time and time again and saying, you know, it's okay. You can, you can continue to hit me in the face. It's fine. I'm going to get up and move forward.
0: Absolutely. I mean, failure shows us the way by showing us what isn't the way, right? So if you fail and you do it, you make that mistake once or twice or whatever. You then learn from that that, that that's not the direction you want to go. Okay, so I need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what is, mm-hmm. right? And I think exactly. We've got to take, take our minds, change our mindset. And I personally think we have to take failure head on. And that as adults, we have to do it for junior golfers. And we have to um, help junior golfers understand the importance of failure. And like you said, I think part of that is giving them more responsibility, make them more responsible for their own golf. So yeah. if you think about golf, and let's just talk from a competitive standpoint, and, and we can talk emotional we can talk on the emotional standpoint as well, but I want to talk at least from the result standpoint and, and competitive. Golf is set up to make failures on almost every shot, or at least the way that the game is designed, it allows us to make failures. So the first one I had in mind was practice rounds. So why are we doing practice rounds? Why do players go out and and play practice rounds? Well, you know, they hit shots, uh, let's just say in a practice round, they hit shots and they realize, holy smokes, I do not want to be on this side of the green approaching the green to the flag to the back, right? Because I'm short-sighted or whatever. Right. And at least you can get some of those failures and learned experiences out of the way before the tournament begins. That's, I I think that's just one minor thing, but I also think that it allows for hitting shots from difficult lies. You know, if you go out and let's just say you hit shots, you're in a practice round, you hit it in the long grass, you start to learn. Maybe you have to make adjustments with different clubs. At the U.S. Open, for example, I'm sure it's completely different in the rough. I can't even imagine what it's like hitting out of of that rough. But I'm sure that most of those guys hit really bad shots the first few times that they're trying to learn how to hit shots out of the rough. But again, they made those mistakes. It's a learning experience. And I think there's so many aspects to golf that allow us to make mistakes and to fail, but also to come back from it and to learn from it. And the game's designed for us to make mistakes. It's just we have to embrace it completely differently. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, and quite often the person that makes the least amount of mistakes wins, right? And um, or it's it's the one that manages the mistakes the best will 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 be the winner. Especially when you talk about the top level game, when the margins are so fine, um, it really does play a huge part in in um, in in winning the tournament. But you know, practice rounds are an interesting one it's a tough, every, every individual, every individual is different. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one of the main purposes is just trying to get comfortable with the golf course, right. You know, playing the right sorts of shot and not worrying about what happened in the practice round. Um, right. Not worrying about how you executed it, but knowing that you, you're able to create a plan from your experience of having played it once or twice. Absolutely, and and that's that sets you up and prepares you for it. I I don't like uh, players taking multiple shots from multiple areas. I just don't think there's any benefit to that because you you know you you do your work on the on the driving range to an extent, but you know when it's tournament time, you you get one chance to hit one good shot.
0: Mm, it's true. You
1: know you, you don't get a do over. So if you're you're breeding do-overs into your mind in your practice round, then I'm afraid it's not going to be a real great mentality to, um, to approach it. It comes back to responsibility, you know, and accepting the responsibility for executing the shot when you are supposed to.
0: And like you can break that responsibility back all the way to like the complete beginner level where it's like, okay, you just missed the putt. Or let's just say it's a game. You're playing a game, right? They've just missed the putt 10 times in a row. Well, I'm sure by the 11th time the kid has made some type of adjustment, whether it's speed, aim, club face, uh, angle, whatever, to make some type of adjustment without anybody having to say a dang word. Right.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and again, I've been guilty of this. Us adults, we step in too quick. They miss it once they miss it twice. So all of a sudden we get in and adjust the club head, align the ball up. You know, I think it's going to regress their, their progression.
1: Yeah. Right. And, well, um, we hate to see our kids suffer, of course. And we we naturally perceive doing something or hitting a bad shot with suffering, right? And um, it's just a it's a game of whacking a ball from one point to the other. That's all, right? Right. So um, I mean, because they hit one good shot, does it mean that they're not going to have a great golf career, <laughs> or does it mean that they can't hit uh, a really good shot? next track, right. you know, and you kind of, you, you pull it back and you start to overanalyze at that point. Uh, and then you, you kind of lose the essence of the sport as well, which I think is really important to maintain. So yeah, it's, it's it is fascinating, isn't it? How we, we jump in too quickly because we're, we're scared of our kids feeling bad for themselves.
0: And you think that there should be some element of the kids suffering a bit in that setting.
1: Well, Travis, come on now. You're, you're you're a new parent, and you're going yeah. to have the experience of, of your child riding a bike without stabilizers on. It's true. You've got to let you've got to let them crash, right? You're going to graze their elbows, bang their head, and scrape their knees. It's it's how you learn how to ride a bike.
0: It's a great analogy.
1: Well, absolutely. I, th- I think by more by chance than by design. When when Josh started learning how to ride a bike, he had these stabilizers on for maybe half an hour. It wasn't like he was doing it for, for three or four weeks. And then we just took him okay. off. So just go, off you go. What happened? And um, yeah, it was wobbly for a while. And and trying to get him to understand that you need momentum, you need forward motion to, to maintain balance. But you know, it was it was a very quick lesson to learn. Very quick mm. lesson. Oh, so, I'm sure it was
0: a very quick lesson.
1: I think you know, that's, that's I like that analogy, but you know, don't 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 be fearful just because your kid scrapes their knee. You know, it's, mm. it's going to happen. You know, so you get problems uh, if they jump out of buildings and stuff. But
0: you know. <laughs> right. So if we bring that back to golf, then as adults, and again, adults, coaches, and parents, when should an adult jump in, or when should adult try to help with those mistakes?
1: Uh, one one bad putt doesn't make a bad round, does it? One bad tee shot doesn't make a bad round. So stop dissecting individual situations. It's just not healthy. Because sometimes you've got external factors, moments, which you can't control that create a mindset leading up to that particular shot that you cannot control, right? How does how does Bryson play that badly at Augusta in theory, right? Uh, or the first few holes anyway. It's not right. like he was, he was trying to or didn't have the ability to do so. It's just a state of mind that he was in that, that created that, I think. Try and find a pattern in what's going on. So let's look at the entire 18 holes or maybe the last five rounds of golf and establish a pattern in certain shots. So this is where keeping statistics is quite good. And I know you love my idea of parents walking around with a camera, I do, right? How about, you know, parents take a little notebook and keep the statistics as well, you know, but keep detailed stats. Don't just keep the numbers. It's like how many tee shots missed to the left, how many tee shots missed to the right, uh, how many putts were missed left, right, short or long, and create a pattern that you can use to talk about in the future, to talk about with the coach, and the and the child and and have an educated dis, uh, conversation about a particular problem. That's good analysis. Like you can't just analyze one individual shot and, and think there's that a huge problem. It doesn't make any sense. So, right. Um, if you're hitting your putts long all of the time, then we know that we've got to do some work on distance control. Right. You know, if, no, if we are that's hitting the, yeah, if we're hitting the ball out to the right all the time, then maybe we need to work on our mobility a little bit better. Or, or, you know, how to hold the club a little bit better. It doesn't matter what it is, but, you know, only from a pattern can we really, really understand what the fault is and then actually start to make some fixes.
0: Right, Now I like that. Now let's scale it back a bit then, because what about beginners? Do you think that a, a kid that's starting out, that's enjoying the game, is there any need to jump in and help them with the mistakes that they're making if they still continue to enjoy it?
1: Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily jump in until the kids started to identify that there was an issue or a problem. So, you know, if you create the environment where they're they're kind of free to fail, a lot of that's going to be based around some games and some challenges perhaps. And you're trying to get them into a space where they're going to come to you and ask for advice and for help. That's when you know they're going to listen. That's when you know that they're going to, they're kind of taking it a little bit more seriously in relation to that particular challenge, but otherwise just let them play. Because it is a game and it's about playing, and who are we to define how they're getting enjoyment out of the game? We're we're applying our own standards for for that of a a seven year old beginner that's never played before. Again, that just doesn't make any sense. So,
0: no, that's great.
1: Let them experience it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Okay, so a couple final questions just to conclude this discussion topic. I think there's a lot of important things that have been discussed today, which is awesome. And I think it'll be really beneficial for uh, a lot of the listeners listening. It's been very beneficial for myself. But how can parents and coaches help children see that failure is a feature and that it's not this scary thing to try to constantly avoid?
1: I think up to that point, there will have been instances where you can review or, or look back on experiences you know, like maybe falling off the bike or whatever, or, or understanding that it is a process. I think having a conversation about it is the is the first step, right? I mean, the, the child wants a safety net there regardless, right? They want to know that you are there supporting them. They want to know that the coach has got their back so that when it doesn't go quite right, that they have uh, that support to lean on and not necessarily that it's a, a journey into the unknown, right? As much as I like to to jump, now, Steve Harvey did a great video. He's talked about it a lot. You know, the, the game show presenter? Yeah. He's talked about jump, jumping. Um, you know, sometimes without knowing that you've got a parachute on or whether the parachute's going to work. You've got to take that leap of faith and try something different. It's like when you've acquired a new skill, a new technique, and putting it in play in a tournament. You know, they talked a lot over here on commentary for Augusta that Dustin Johnson hated hitting left-to-right shots and he would be great. Butch Harman was talking about how great Dustin was at playing the left-to-right shot in practice, but just could not commit to playing it in a Mm -hmm. tournament. And, you know, in that situation, he overcame it because he was forced to. He was forced to play the shot. And, And only by testing yourself in in the real match circumstance there where you acknowledge that it could go wrong, but you committed to it anyway, actually became a way of of uh, finally acquiring that skill and for for checking it off and moving on to the next point.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. I actually didn't know about that, about DJ. That's very interesting. So I guess you know, we we should conclude this discussion. But I, if you could put it in a few words or in a few sentences, what would you conclude about failure for junior golfers?
1: If, if you don't allow them the freedom to, to fail, then they won't get any better.
0: Very simple. Very clear. I agree. And one thing I think I've learned from what you said today was that there's links to failure. And I think some of the things that I'm going to look into a little bit more is, okay, so what is the process? how responsible is the child and what are they doing to learn from their mistakes? And then again, what are we doing to let them know upfront that these things are going to happen, that these mistakes will happen, educate them on the process and allow them to continue to make these mistakes. And hopefully they learn from it and we learn from it as well.
1: Let them explore, you know, I, I do like challenges for kids. I mean, there's a lot of discussion about having tournaments for children at the moment. And I think they are important. Winning isn't the only outcome from a tournament, right? We can't, we can't base success on, on victories. But a victory can be on a personal level where you've overcome a personal challenge. And I think tournament golf for children is really important because it puts them in that environment where they've got to commit to something. And the job of the parent should be to analyze what's going on and being there to feed back what was witnessed as the child was in the moment and if you are caddying for your child make sure that the child accepts the responsibility for the decision-making process but your job as the parent at that moment is to document what happened so that you can have an educated review with the coach afterwards if it's something that's part of a pattern of, of, of outcomes if you like but the, the challenges are really important for us to gauge how well the kids are doing. And that's what I'm talking about, creating the environment and the opportunity for a child to learn something. You know, there's no point in being stood there being stood there telling a child how to putt if they've not experienced how to miss a putt, right? I it doesn't agree. make any sense again. They won't know right. what's right or wrong. They won't understand it. So if 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 you if you hit a putt with the right speed on the right line, it goes in, right? It can't miss. <laughs> so <laughs> the the point being that when you when you set a challenge from three feet, that child has to learn how to to aim and how hard to hit the ball for that putt to go in. And right. so you get immediate reference points from that. And that little challenge then provides you with information that when the child is ready, you can feed back on. But that's that's failure in a very simple sense, isn't it? A three foot putt. You know, go and make go and make five three foot putts in a row, and don't don't come back until you've done it. And then get the child to explain their emotions and their feelings as they were going through it. And, and that's that's then when it becomes really powerful. But most importantly, the lessons you're trying to teach are, are delivered very efficiently, and you can deliver efficient messages and efficient lessons as a parent and indeed, of course, as a coach. Just remember that the kids aren't trying to fail. They're not trying to, to screw it up. No. And, and I've just seen too many parents um, act as if it is the child's fault and that the child almost does it on purpose. So we have to put ourselves in the child's shoes, understand what they're going through, and that they're trying really hard almost all of the time to do it right. So don't beat them up be that um, be that pillar of support and that safety net that they are desperate for you to be.
0: I think you summed it up very well there. And my final advice would be for adults to reflect on what their values are and what their values are for their kids around failure and what their values are for their kids to succeed and what does succeed even mean? Is it results-based or is it just individual um, little successes, right? And once you reflect, in, um, reflect on those values, I think that a positive way forward for your child to succeed in golf or in life is to start taking failure more head on and see failure as a feature and see the success that you can come out of it. So Mm -hmm. Gavin, I appreciate you coming back on the podcast real quick before I let you go just share where people can find more information about you or if they have any questions to follow up on this. I know that you do enjoy talking about these kinds of things as much as I do. And I think you've got a lot of experience. So, if anybody did want to reach out to you or, or follow more of what you're doing, where would be that place?
1: Well, um, firstly, I like to think that my Instagram account will give you a good flavour, and, and there's some good stuff on there. That's Gavin GW13. Some little lessons in there relating a lot to, to my journey as a parent and as a coach. But also, we've got some great resources at Ledbetter.com You know, and, and the LeadBetter Kids entity for me is is the vehicle through which you know we can bring all of of this to life through educating coaches and through educating parents and we've got some great resources in there for both um so if you want to reach out reach out to me through instagram and then i can obviously help out further
0: that's cool perfect yeah it was it was an awesome discussion i know that a lot of people listening are going to take a lot away and and um a lot of valuable information you shared there and great points that you brought up and even myself, I'm going to go back after this conversation and re-reflect on what my values are and what I want for my kids to grow up. And I know that those will continue to adjust, but I think having some type of framework before just going in and being hands-on too soon and not allowing my kids to make a mistake will set them up for the real failure and it'll make them go down the rabbit hole the wrong direction. So yeah. Gavin, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Awesome conversation. Look forward to having you on again, hopefully in the future. Excellent. Thank you. All right. What an awesome conversation there with Gavin Grenville-Wood from Leadbetter Kids. Failure comes at a cost. It isn't free and it's not going to be easy. It's something that we have to analyze, adjust, and try, try, try again. Do yourself a favor and think what your values are around failure and what your values are for your children growing up in the game of golf. I strongly believe that once you have that clear You'll be setting yourself, children, and those around you up for success, whatever it may be. Failure is a feature. Take it head on and enjoy the ride. Look forward to hearing your feedback from this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview Some of the most experienced parents, coaches and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.